Russian society God save the old duck Born a bill and variety We are the desperate and Appreciation society God save strawberry jam And all the different varieties Serving the old ways From being abused Protecting the new ways For me and for you What more can we do? our new unnamed podcast about uh, the television series The Prisoner from the 1960s. I haven't really thought about how to start this uh, kind of podcast, you know? No bits. Well, well, Helga, I, I think we should start off by saying good morning all, and it's another beautiful day in the village. Good morning all, and we'll be seeing you. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, be hearing you, be hearing us. Oh boy! Be hearing us. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I was, I was this close to suggesting that we name the podcast "Prison Planet" as a joke. Oh but, no! Uh... <laughs> I, I kind of thought about this, you know, just before we started recording. I thought, hey, let's let's just make a joke about like Andrew Tate or some shit. Uh, <laughs> oh god! Uh, yeah. Well, no. Uh, no. Okay, let's just introduce ourselves. I'm Helga. I am from. The Mysterious East. And I am Joe, and I am from the Decadent West. Hell yeah, and we're both in the village. Yeah, we're we're here in the village right now. It's there we're surrounded by boomers. Um and there is there is no Wi Fi. So how we get this podcast out there into the world is yet to be seen. I assume by like vinyl recording that it gets shipped out on the helicopter. <laughs> that's right that's right and the reason why we're starting this podcast is uh helga beat me 17 to 1 in uh, a chess so we uh i finally agreed to do a podcast again about a tv show that i have never seen before hell yes well i hope you're having fun uh so we start in uh the prisoner with the intro which is Kind of different from all the other intros uh, that are yet to come in the show. So let's talk about it in a little bit of detail, right? Uh, we start with, like, obviously sped up footage of, uh, like, 1960s sports car, Lotus 7, um, getting closer and closer to us, like, uh, at sort of like a fucking fighter jet speeds with accompanying thunder. Yes, lots of thunder. The first, the first frame of the prisoner is actually um, a cloudy sky uh, uh, set to um, very uh, raucous and uproarious thunder sounds. Uh, it's hard to tell, you know, if they are authentic thunder sounds or if they're like movie thunder sounds. But it's quite unnatural because the sky is like partially sunny and cloudy and it's kind of got this like we're already knee deep in surreal imagery with this with this show yes and what we are meant to get from the initial like uh parts of the intro uh we like uh the, our guy uh goes to london on his ridiculously speedy car and he's a maverick right he's like dis a disruptor he uh <laughs> Goes like he literally breaks the sound barrier. I assume that's that's kind of the intended imagery. 
yeah, he's he's uh, he is flying down the streets of London with purpose, and that purpose is unknown to us at the moment. But through the 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 storytelling of this uh, uh, psychedelic surreal montage, um, you know, we are seeing um, the man of the present, the arc, our main character, uh, fly through the streets uh, on a mission, as it were. Yes, and also his car, like he, his car is like uh, made out to be this like super cool shit. And honestly, I would really like if I had infinite money and also didn't care about the environment, I would probably get this kind of car. But also, this car is goofy enough to not have any like uh, doors or turn signals. So he has to turn like on a bicycle with just yeah, he like has, moving yeah, his hand. Signal. Yeah, it's very <laughs> funny. And also um the his car is very short. So like it's very low to the ground and so like you know, you have this man like this like British, you know, like 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 uh like like symbol of exemplary like whiteness just kind of like speeding around in a little tiny car <laughs> doing hand signals. It's very surreal. Yeah, he's is sort of like a car racer, you know, uh <laughs> yeah, Mario Kart ass guy. Um yeah, so he uh goes into an underground parking garage enters uh, some mysterious office that is right next to like uh, right next to the building of parliament right yeah uh, and hands in his resignation to some yeah. guy he's like yeah. shouting he's uh, like uh, breaking the breaking the like uh, fine china on the table because yeah. his boss, being the most British man there is, is drinking like um, Ceylon tea. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we we see him yelling. We see him talk down to this man behind the desk, but we don't hear what he says. And in fact, the only thing that we see, uh, he slams his resignation down on the on the desk. And um, on the envelope, I I, I freeze framed it. I I. I took my little um, magnifying glass and I enhanced the image. And on the envelope, it says private personal by hand. Uh, so this is definitely, you know, like we're, we're, we're deep within the wells of secrecy and uh, subterfuge and, uh, and corporate espionage or, or perhaps government espionage. Yeah. It's, it's very government. I don't think that it's corporate quite yet. Uh, anyway, while he's driving home, looking the happiest he has ever been uh his uh, uh papers go through their own little journey uh yeah this was so too, cool yeah uh they get like uh access stamped on them with like a typewriter just like uh the the the, the uh, his dossier gets crisscrossed by those like little access from a typewriter Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then his papers get dumped in the the resignation bin. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an old school like metal filing cabinet, and it's like they have like this arm that like is attached to these rails on the ceiling, and it's like automatically dispensing his dossier into the resignation cabinet. It's so cool. Like, I I really wanted to know how they got that shot, or if that's like based on an actual technology used. I or something. really want to. Maybe like in the sixties, this was an actual thing that people wanted to do. 
Yeah, uh, like like more automation kind of like within like the business and government world, yeah. Exactly. I could see that being cutting edge at the time. Like the, the, the next door neighbor of those uh, pneumatic tubes, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, so uh, he's driving down uh, to his own uh, apartment and he is definitely getting tailed. Uh, yes. By like men in an old fashioned car, I think. I I I think that those men uh, have like top hats on or something. Uh, did I hallucinate that? Yes, yes. The the man who follows him up the stairs to his apartment definitely has some kind of top hat on. It's very strange because it's like a man definitely of like the age, like the mid sixties Britain, like being followed by his counterpart from maybe forty or thirty years before. It's very strange. Um, yeah, and like uh, his, his the counterpart's car is like from the from the forties, right? Like the the yeah, traditional yeah. image of a Stalinist purge is <laughs> this kind of car, like uh, the black <laughs> car. It's 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 called the Varanok, uh, which is to say, uh, like a Raven, mm. like a yeah. black car. Yeah, uh, yeah, very very ominous. Yeah, uh, our guy uh, gets packing, uh, like. Tries to get his passport, his like uh, vacation photos. Uh, yeah, he had these. Yeah he, yeah, he had like these like little printouts. Like it's obviously way too early for like color printing, like like this, because it looks like a like a like a photo you printed off the internet of like a beach you really wanted to go to to like <laughs> put above your desk at your corporate job to like remind you of what you're striving for, which is the sweet bliss of um, getting sand everywhere. Yeah, uh, I assume like somewhere in Gibraltar or something. Yeah, uh, getting the getting the fuck out of England. Exactly. Uh, yes, but while he's packing, uh, this old-fashioned guy uh, ascends upon the stairs and puts some gas into his lock. Yeah, yeah. Just you kind hate of to see gets. It. Yeah, uh, and our guy immediately gets what's going on and starts wobbling. And the last thing he sees before he passes out is uh, one of these, like, uh, multi-story business uh, 60s buildings, which, like, I associate personally with, like, universities because all the Russian universities are kind of, like, were built uh, in the 60s and 70s in this sort of style. Yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah. It's, um... I kind of uh, imagine them as like proto skyscrapers, like kind of like um, do you find in like urban downtown centers, like you know, like but definitely something that was made during the twentieth century. Not not very much like a like like a like a crossover between neoclassical style and like the corporate like you know like World Trade Center style like buildings that you know are are put up all over the world now. Yeah, uh, there's uh, like uh, the first skyscrapers were like in the in the twenties or so, and they were only like fifteen stories tall, right? They were not yeah. very tall, and they were like uh, kind of entirely, uh, well, you know, like the, the cheese grater building in uh, in New York. Fuck, yeah, in New York, the, the the Continental from John Wick is what I mean. 
yes, yes, yes. That is in New York City. Yeah. Yes. Um, the wedge. And the wedge. <laughs> uh, no, this is this is like a, a lot more modern, but it's still like yeah. you know this. You you know that there's asbestos in those balls. Oh yeah, for sure. Only the finest asbestos for the British Empire. Uh, yeah. The the music, like the energetic music that was accompanying us uh, to this point, stops, and he wakes up in the village. That's right. It's he wakes up in North Wales. Uh, although canonically, uh, I, like we're not told where we are, and it's that's kind of like the conceit of the whole first episode is. Uh, uh, our main character, played by Patrick McGowan, which I'm not sure we've mentioned yet, but um, our main character wakes up in a place that is idyllic and beautiful and very uh, lovely to look at, but uh, seems to exist out of time and out of place. Um, yeah, it's a uh, the, the, the architecture is uh, like, they, they use the word Italianate at some, in some other episode. Uh, but it's it's not like it's not over place. No, right? it's yeah. It's I assume vacation homes. They're not particularly like old. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, it's like a place that was. It's it feels like someone's. It, it feels like in in the past. It looks like the kind of place that would have been one family's like entire estate. It's now been converted into like a place where many people live and 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 call their home. It's it's got this very like villa sort of style, but it's also like it, it, to me it's, it like recalls like like French like um like southern france it recalls like many different places in europe that are kind of um you know of like a an older time yeah um he like uh gets out uh, of his house which is like his house on the outside is like this uh, like villa style house but on the inside it's still his apartment right he for a sec- for a few seconds before he opens the blinds he doesn't realize that he's in a different place yeah yeah uh and uh he like uh, gets out there's nobody on the streets uh except there's some guy staring at him from uh the steeple yeah very few people are are seen, and the editing in this shot where he's like sort of exploring and running around the the village is very surreal because there's a lot of really sharp cuts. I would say it's like it's very jarring. If if you're familiar with like '60s and '70s film, you probably would have like th- these cuts would like seem familiar to you. But what we often get are like we'll get a shot of um the the protagonist Patrick and then we'll get a shot of what he's looking at and then we'll get a shot of him again but from a slightly different angle from the first shot it's very um it's very it's very uh uh disorienting um yes and, the, the, and, and, there's like a lot of shots uh, made from different angles when he's in different uh, stages of motion he's moving like all over his and the camera is jumping all over with him uh, like when he uh, gets up the steeple, there's no church. There's just the steeple. Uh, yeah. Uh, the he like is face to face with nothing. He assumes that there's a guy there, and there's nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very bizarre. And when he's at the top of the steeple, that's when the bell sounds. Yeah. 
So along with his like uh, visual like confusion, he also gets audio confusion. He just gets like uh, earful of bong. Yeah, yeah, earful of bong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not exactly what you want to wake up to. That's for sure, especially not before tea. And finally, uh, he sees some actual people who are not spooky in a cafe. Uh, yeah. Well, they're only not spooky until he talks to them. Uh, he goes That's to a right. cafe uh, where uh, some people are like uh, uh, unfolding chairs and shit, like getting ready for a workday, I assume. I will say, like the the main thing that that sort of happens as he interacts with people throughout the village is, he'll ask them a question and the, they'll respond by asking by telling him, "Oh, you're new here, aren't you?" You know, and and that's yes. sort of like a very fun motif throughout the first episode, and it happens with the lady at the restaurant, the waitress, and um, the next person he talks to, which is um, actually no, it's not the next person he talks to because he actually goes to a phone next. Yeah, he goes to a phone booth, which is like uh, the, the the 60s definition of futuristic, which is to say there's no wires. Yeah, uh, it's just a, a handset, yeah. Yeah, this is like a little goofy handset without a charging station. Uh, yeah. It's all like a backlight plastic. Uh, and his he like, uh, di- he like rings up the phone and a telephone lady answers, which... Wow, blast from the past. Remember phones without like with, with like exchanges that people had to talk to? Yeah, yeah. There there a long time ago there was a little woman who lived inside everyone's phone and she made sure that all of the lines were connected <laughs> properly. And yeah, um uh, and and these and, ones I, and I and honestly it's because of uh, uh, liberal feminism that the woman in the phone now has to work uh, uh, other jobs, and 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 honestly, I, I'm I'm not I'm not for it. I, I I think that we should bring the phone lady back. Okay, you canceled, Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, the exchange only accepts local calls. Yeah, and then he. He, like, calls a taxi from a futuristic sort of, like, uh, again, retro-future, like, you press a button and suddenly a thing, like, a special effect happens. Yeah, so he presses yeah. a button and within, like, two seconds there's a taxi there uh, with a, a woman who is not white, unlike all the other people in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, 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 the taxi driver played by Barbara Yu Ling. Um, oh, you actually googled her. Nice job. Yeah, um, yeah. She was uh, she was in the Avengers British television series. Uh, oh, neat. And in Danger Man, which we can talk about later. Yes, but not on this episode. This episode is like stuffy enough as it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, she greets him in French. Yeah. And uh, she explains uh, why she greeted him in French. Well, he like uh, asks her to like drive him as far as possible. Yeah. Uh, but of course, there's local service, so she just drives him to another shop. Uh, and in the meantime, she explains that like she greets him in French because French is an international language. Mm. Oh my god, the British Empire is falling apart, and so we're no longer the international ones. Uh, That's right. Uh, and like uh, she says that, uh, well, actually, like. Uh, she initially thought that he was a Czech or a Pole. 
Yeah, yeah. Which, and he asks her, why would a check or a poll be here? And then she says there are people from all over. Yeah, it's, it's a very cosmopolitan place. It's sad that most episodes don't really get this, like, focus on uh, language. Because, like, in this episode, there's, like, at least a few scenes in which people speak in non-English languages. Right? Yes, uh, yes. And the then they kind of drop it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure that they, it's not something that they would like to have kept up. And I'm also disappointed that, um, at least on the service that I was using, there were no subtitles for translated language. And often that's like choice based on like wanting to obfuscate certain like information from the viewer, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm always curious, like when people do speak other languages in uh, media. Um, if the English subtitles could have a translation of what they're saying, um, that that uh, that's always a treat for me. Uh, but we do not get that yeah. in this episode. Uh, considering our character is kind of assumed to be a spy, I assume he speaks in at least one more language, you know, uh, than English. But we never get that, and we yeah. never get a translation that the character would probably have in his head. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, like, uh, gets out of the taxi. Uh, the taxi costs two credit units. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a very, like, chic thing, uh, especially for, like, this period of sci-fi to have, like, instead of dollars or pounds, you have credits. Yes, yes, very much so. It's, a, it's like, a, like a neutral term for, like... I think she actually refers to them as credit units. So, like the two dominant forms of like like generic or or um like default money um is like is are are both used in to represent the same thing. Yeah. Um. But like, he doesn't have any credit uh, units. He doesn't have a credit card yet. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So he'll he'll pay her later. No worries. Yeah. Um. He goes to a shop. Um, where a person is speaking some other language that I didn't recognize on, on, like, just by hearing it. Did you? Yeah. No, 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 no recollection at all. It seemed, um, Northern European, like it could perhaps be Swedish or, um, Finnish or Norwegian, but that's only an, a gut instinct. I, I would love to learn more and, and possibly dive into what they're speaking. Uh-huh. Uh, and he, like, uh, tries to uh tries to get a map from uh the shopkeeper uh the, the shopkeeper like uh, gives him a small map and he asks for like what about like a bigger map and the shopkeeper gives him a bigger map of the same exact picture just yeah like... it's very funny but but the, the 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 bigger map is also in color so it's like, so you get these like art, like these very like cartoony renderings of the mountains, the beach, the old people's homes, rendered in like color, and it's so goofy. I I love it. It is it is very goofy. They did not want to hire a cartographer, so they just kind of slapped some splotches around. Uh, they uh, by the way, the, the map, the signs in everything. Uh, all in the same font. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like this kind of like I want to say Tolkien-ish, like Lord of the Rings style, like 
script, but it's it's uh it's it's very legible. It's very readable. Yeah, but... it's 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 readable. It's it's almost like a standard font, but it's too goofy to be standard. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's definitely not so like, sans serif. It's, it's like it's definitely stylized. Uh, no, it's it is sans serif. I, there's no serifs in it, but it's like goofy sans serif. It's like I like Comic Sans or something. <laughs> that, uh, that would be a great a great a great uh, uh, project is to edit the episodes to feature <laughs> Comic Sans signs. Just uh, co- yeah, the same font is used for the credits, by the way. Oh, 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 lovely! Yeah, it would be quite easy for for someone to track down. I'm just imagining now a uh, a Comic Sans sign that says "Questions are a burden to others, a, a answers a prison for <laughs> oneself." Oh, you you freeze frame that too, huh? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Actually, that that was not freeze frame necessary. That scene, the the camera zooms in on on that particular sign. Oh yeah. Apologies. I watched this episode on almost two times speed because I was late. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, yes, uh, I can only imagine so, that added to the surreality of it all. <laughs> a little bit. The, the music certainly didn't uh, get any better. Uh, <laughs> yes, and the shopkeeper, like after saying that, okay, we we don't have any like uh, international maps, right? Uh, there's no there's no like uh, demand for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he says, "Be seeing you after." Uh, our hero leaves. Yeah. Uh, this is a big thing in uh, the series. Uh, const- people constantly say, be seeing you, and they put uh, uh, like two fingers to their eyes in a circle, sort of like a monocle. Yeah, uh, with their with their three fingers sort of raised to the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I assume represents like, you know, a panopticon. Uh, that like people will be seeing you around constantly. Yeah, you will always be seen. You will always be you perceived. Will... Yeah, and th- this is very unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> and uh, when he comes home, uh, a bit rattled, uh, he receives a phone call from uh, somebody called Number Two. Mm-hmm. Who invites him uh, to breakfast with uh, in in like a uh, green dome building? Yes, yes, a very a very nice looking building, I must say. Like all of the buildings look pretty cool, but this building in particular looks very um, mysterious and ominous, and just yeah if i th- i i would i would be i would hesitate to say that if i was in the situation i would also be curious about the big green dome building yeah uh the building has like a lobby uh that um uh that's very old fashioned and then like uh our guy gets through the lobby into the room with number two in it and the room is by contrast futuristic in a way that sixties futurism is. Oh yeah, uh, very Star Trek here. Oh my very god, very Star Trek, very TOS Star Trek. Uh, there's like uh, lots of colors. There's colored yeah. lighting everywhere. Uh, there's a big like uh, monochrome painted panels. Yeah. Uh, there's a lava lamp uh, projection on the back wall. Yeah. Somewhere. 
Yeah, it's like the '60s version of um, like a Twitch stream, like a Twitch gamer streamer setup, like with like all of like the LED lights and like the the weird walls <laughs> and the and the and the battle station with all of your little buttons around it. It's very much like what if a '60s person saw tried to recreate what we see on Twitch like every Friday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very it's very uh, funny. Uh, yeah, uh, he has like a, a panel with lots of buttons that he presses, uh, with his umbrella. Right. Number two, number <laughs> yeah. two, uh, rises from, from the floor. Uh, yes, yes. Um, uh, middle-aged friendly guy, uh, with a big, uh, umbrella. Yeah. And he, um, he looks like a sort of, uh, slightly more refined Willy Wonka. Uh, very much so. Yeah, his chair his chair is also like egg shaped, where it's it's kind of like um the chairs in the examination room in the Men in Black film. If you've seen it, um, I might have, but I can't say that I like recall them uh like from from the top of my mind. Uh, he also has a, a bicycle in the back of the room. A yeah, clothing bicycle. Oh yes, uh, this this will be. A common occurrence in in the series, uh, penny farthing bicycles. They just love them. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. This is. Yeah. I, when I saw the penny farthing bicycle, I I I just rolled my eyes. I just I was like, come on, come on now. <laughs> this fucking whimsical British countryside dystopia. Exactly. The whimsical British countryside dystopia uh, that is mediated entirely by technology. This is, dare I say, the theme of the series. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. uh, And uh, number two gives us a little magic trick. He asks uh, our guy, uh, like, uh, what what kind of, like, uh, tea he likes what kind of uh, breakfast he likes, right? Like how many yeah. how many eggs with a bacon and stuff like that. And uh, our and the servant who is uh, this like a uh, uh, short guy, I yeah. think we'll be seeing him in other episodes. Uh, he's a short, bald guy. He uh, may have served as inspiration for our job, though I don't know. Um, did he actually did? Did I, do I even remember what our job looks like? I mean, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, he's definitely like uh, got some Bond, like Butler style, like villain Butler style, like vibes about him for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. In in, in his Odd expression, jobs. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our jobs Asian, but other than that, they dress very much similarly. Yeah. They uh, behave very much similarly in like a uh, background. And uh, uh, yeah, so um, and while this like butler, like uh, the butler just brought like basically what uh, our hero is asking for, right? Like the the two two eggs, yeah, with bacon, yeah. and he brought lemon for his tea, yeah. And so like uh, the assumption that we are drawn to. to, to to have from this is that actually our number two knows everything about uh, our hero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very um, 
you you're clued in immediately as to like the nature of number two and relationship. Oh, we haven't uh, we haven't called him. I... Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn. Uh, I I kind of called him in my notes for the mm. entire duration because I watched the series already. I uh, specifically held off on saying it because I was curious when you would switch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, it'd be funny. Maybe you should censor me saying uh, the name <laughs> until 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 we reveal it, which I think is in like five seconds. <laughs> uh, no, no. He's. I. I don't. I don't oh. know that he's. I, I don't actually remember when he says it. He uh, he he's told it after um, uh, after he uh uh yeah he he gets told it he gets told his his number later. Oh right, way 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 later. Okay, yeah. we should just delete this entire exchange. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and number two explains to him just what the fuck he's actually doing there. Yeah. Uh, the purpose of uh, our heroes uh stay in the in the village is because he resigned uh in a way that nobody actually expected. Uh. Yeah. Uh, our hero is sort of a, like a, a sort of a big shot spy. As far as I understand, he served his country well, and he was very loyal. And his resignation basically signals to his superiors that his loyalties might have changed to something. And yeah. it is just curious. It's unusual. Yeah, right? very uh, much so. So... To to show how much power they have over him, uh, they show his like his uh, childhood photos, the time when he like rose through the ranks of the foreign office, right? Like they have like a specific meeting that he had in the foreign office chartered, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he's like uh, the time he had a vacation somewhere and he was sick. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, very, very much like a, like a, um, a very, a very uh, cold and very um, chilling moment is like having your entire movement over time just like relayed back to you in in harrowing detail. Yeah, exactly, and it it is kind of hinted that he knew maybe like he he suspected that he was being spied on, even in his apartment, because uh, yeah. like. Something the number two said something like, "Did you hear a click? Oh, maybe it was there. Maybe it was over there." And like, there's like uh, uh, candid shots of him being like a little bit sick uh, and looking around very close up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, yeah. uh, they know almost everything about him, but they would like to know everything. And our guy <laughs> refuses. Fuck, I said it. I said it. <laughs> and, and and our guy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. our guy uh refuses to, to, to say anything. He quote will not be pushed, stamped, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. Uh, yeah. my life is my own, he says. His life is his own, yes. Uh they uh give him a little bit of a tour of the village uh in a helicopter. Uh, which yes. uh, our odd job butler flies. 
Yes, uh, our, 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 our butler of many talents. Yes. Uh, uh, the, the, the village has everything. It has like rec centers. It has a, a council. It has a newspaper. And, he has, and it has a graveyard. Yes. Uh, we are meant to infer some things from this. Uh, and when they land, they show, uh, they show him like uh, a ship that is run aground. A very, very small ship. I don't think it's even like a particular like true to like it, it will not sail if it's yeah. underwater. Yeah. Uh that seniors are playing on. Yes. Uh, yes. I think they're like senile by this point, and so like uh, everything is provided in the village. Uh yeah, you'll be taken just, care of until you die. Yes, until you die. And you have to relinquish your secrets in some way. Uh, because everyone does. Right. Um, we also uh, get to meet a character who I'm excited to see if he appears again. The Admirable. Uh, the Admiral. Um, an old man in a, in a captain's uniform playing chess. Uh, yes. Uh, he's like... Uh, he was a big shot admiral and... Now he's all alone in the village, being kind of miserable uh, with his chessboard and playing with nobody because nobody will play with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We go to the main square. There's a marching band. Uh, everyone's kind of like, who is even not in the marching band, is still walking by its rhythm. Yeah, very, very, very bizarre scene. And uh, number two gets a megaphone and says stop and everyone stops on cue except one guy uh that guy uh that guy is Cobb and we'll see him again but for now he like tries to run away which number two very gently discourages uh and he gets smothered by a mysterious floating orb uh yes that Ver- orb's name officially is rover it's mm. uh it's white it's like it's a slightly deflated person sized balloon yeah it's it's very creepy the way that it 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 moves across the screen um it's a very unsettling um uh, uh, an object of power. It kind of reminds me of um, if you've, if if uh, the listeners or if you Helga have ever played the game Control. There's an yes. orb of power. There's like a, a an enemy that's this like floating mass of like rock and broken stone that like pulsates very like quickly. And I it's know what you're talking about. Yes, the the and it's, the, the, the thing. Like you have to like avoid it in the in the game, right? Like you have to like yeah. lure it into a trap. Yeah, uh, you you cannot actually do harm to it until you're much of a much higher level. Um, and it's like that. That's kind of what it reminds me of. It's like seeing something in real life move at a frame rate that you can't really perceive and looks almost kind of wrong. Um, this balloon, um, sort of like object thing. It it bounces across the screen moves past people who are standing still and it i can only ima- i can only like describe it as like absor- like like tackles and absorbs the man who is running away 
I think we are meant to uh, understand that this uh, balloon kind of like strangles you until you are unconscious. Yeah. And, and there's this shot that yeah. they uh, use over and over again uh, with the series, which is um, like the fabric of the balloon, the latex, uh, yeah. gets like wrapped around somebody's face and this this person like uh, is in agony and chokes. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think it would be a good idea to even play the audio that plays when this thing moves because it's like... Uh... It's like a really like upsetting kind of like shrill kind of like tone that plays and it's it's very creepy. Yeah, let's play it here. Great. Um uh, everyone by the way uh, since this moment is like dressed noticeably weirder than in the beginning of uh, this episode. They are dressed in uh, clownish outfits. They're all very primary colors. Uh, they are like red and yellow and yeah, uh, red, yellow, beige, uh, brown, blue. Uh, I they're not like clowns, but they are dressed in ponchos that make them look like that. Yeah, very. Yeah, it, there's a very much like a like a clown core kind of motif, like clown like elements to the to the fashion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Um, and after that is done, uh, after after the the, the guy gets choked, uh, we. Uh, go to the labor exchange where if you don't freeze frame and you just look at normal speed you <laughs> That's will see right. uh, signs saying uh, of the people, by the people for the people uh, questions are a burden to, uns uh, to others, answers are a prison to, uh, to yourself right? Yeah, uh, answers a prison for oneself yes, and a still tongue makes a happy life yeah yeah can't say i agree with that last one but you know like i mean to you know that's you the, narrative. With the first two <laughs> i definitely i definitely see merits in 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 certain situations for the other ones but you know i don't i just don't i i just don't think i could get behind the statement a still tongue makes a happy life i just you gotta get that thing moving uh yeah uh it's a bit at odds with the rest of the show because Everyone wants him to talk, and he refuses right. to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, they're being very, very um, wishy-washy with their messaging. Yes, uh, but also what they actually mean by still tongue means happy life is that you're not supposed to talk about the conditions and how to escape and, like, organize with others. Uh, the labor exchange is another Star Trek set. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where our guy is uh, offered to like pass an aptitude test, which is like uh, insultingly childish. Uh, it's uh, it's all like uh, you know, put put uh, the, the the round bag in the square hole. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very. They start asking him. Weird. They start asking him questions about like uh, what he was, what he wants to be. 
his uh, race, his experience, and his hobbies. Politics. And yeah. when they say politics, he like uh, throws all the all the like childish aptitude test, test things on the ground and storms off. Very, very interesting uh, um, sort of moment. Um, a sort of like reaction to the word politics because there is a sort of beat when um you know like the the question guy is asking like what do you like to read what do you like to eat what do you want to be any politics and then that's when he um sort of snaps and breaks off um, yes i think this series is sort of anti-politics if if, if we have to like think about it because uh our guy is like uh, he thinks that all politics is dirty, maybe. Right, and yeah, yeah. Like, uh, spying as an extension of politics is the dirtiest one of all. Um, yeah, very much so. I, I, too, have this reaction when people ask me um, uh, a, a bunch of questions because my instinct is that they're trying to to get me to answer a secret BuzzFeed quiz or something. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but like, it's a very, it's very typical of the time to like, have like this kind of like Myers-Briggs style personality test thing. Um, and it's very, oh, yeah. uh, there was it, a it, it station was, needed episode, uh, about like how initial, like, uh, the initial thrust of personality tests was to weed out people who would be likely to start unions. Mm, yeah, I yeah, I absolutely do not doubt that at all. That's uh, that sounds exactly like the kind of thing someone would do. Uh, but yeah, I think the purpose of the aptitude test here is actually to see if he is like rebellious, because like all of this shit is insulting, yeah. right? Uh, like the idea of politics in a village that is a prison, essentially, right, where everybody is a warden and everybody looks at each other. Mm -hmm. uh is a bit insulting i i kind of agree yeah. with him on that yeah uh and number two remarks that this is probably a difficult case uh yeah i think we have a challenge he says yes we have a challenge uh yeah uh our guy uh goes home where he is met by a maid uh, yes Women are not the strong, uh, like a strong suit of the series. No, definitely not. Uh, he's like he uh, runs around his home. He's very restless. He uh, has just like had uh, people kind of imply that he's uh, being surveilled at all times. So he looks yeah. in his cabinets. He's he looks in his like uh, uh, his kitchen. He looks everywhere and he he finds no listening or watching devices but he does see a radio which is connected to nothing he, he can't yank out the cord yeah he can just yeah. like he, he smashes the radio to bits because it annoys him yeah and, and when when he smashes it the um the 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 pa system that announces like good morning and it's a lot it's a beautiful day um comes over the the speaker and says attention electrics department please go to number six where adjustment is needed and that yeah, happens uh, that happens immediately when he starts breaking his his uh his radio exactly um and the maid notices him she was like just about to leave 
I guess, yeah. or she left and returned when the sounds happened. Yeah. And uh, she is in distress, uh, mm-hmm. partially because uh, our guy is a dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and partially because she's very, very obviously trying to play on his emotions. Right. Yeah. Um, she like uh, cries. She says like, "Oh well, I've been like tasked to uh, tasked to like uh, get your confidence." And would you please, pretty please, for my sake, would you see them crying? Could you pretty please tell them what they're what they're after? They said they would give me my freedom. Um, the the maid uh, also makes the statement that she has lived in the village for as long as she can remember, um, and that her parents passed away when she was young. So we're learning a lot more about sort of like how. Uh, birth and death factor into the village because like there's like a graveyard there's the old folks home but there's also this character who claims that um she's lived in the village most of her life and so we don't see any we don't see any children in it that is very curious yeah Uh, yeah not in this episode maybe we'll see some children in the future i can't say that i like the thought of having children, the thought of birthing children in this environment is horrifying to me. Well, you know uh, how good that it takes a village to raise a child. <laughs> it Everybody it, knows this. Yes, yes. You're very right, Joe. But also <laughs> it, in this in this village it takes a village to, to see you fuck. Uh yeah. the way that they see you fuck is uh an observatory room right it's it's um i i don't even know it's it's less an observatory i guess it's like a planetarium sort of there's like a planetarium mechanism in the middle yeah 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 like uh, yeah because there's no like observation like like telescope or anything um like a like a physical one but there is like a control room yeah Yes, and uh, there's like a seesaw apparatus in the middle, and it spins, and yeah. that that reminded reminded me of a planetarium. Right in a the planetarium, there's like a, also a seesaw, and there's like a dome where like yeah. images get projected, yeah. uh, and that is how they observe not stars but people. Um, our guy goes for a walk uh, where he like uh, sees Rover. Uh, he like uh, goes to a garden where there's a lot of statues, and somehow did does not realize that the statues are watching him the entire time. Yeah, they're like the... obviously spinning, and there's lights in their eyes. Yeah, very. You know, I I have lots of uh, thoughts about the effectiveness of um, the protagonist as like a a spy because like my thinking is if I was a spy, I would try and be in a, a conspicuous person, but. From the get-go, um, like the the protagonist just kind of runs around, asks people where he is, makes a mess of things, um, throws things around, like bumps into people. Like he doesn't ever play it cool. I think this is definitely like kind of like from the era of like espionage television, where like you, as a foreign agent, you weren't necessarily expected to be like. 100% like in disguise or undercover like there was like a lot more of like a like a showboaty kind of like 
like uh like huzzah like aspect to your your job kind of like a james oh. bond type character yeah james bond by this time was like uh, what five uh five years since the first movie release and like probably 10 yeah. years since the book yeah uh, the yeah. initial book yeah, uh, yeah. J- yes uh, george smiley he is not uh, no no for sure uh and he like uh, uh makes a run for it uh to the beach uh yeah. th- there's like a very long beach that i assume just gets flooded every time there's high tide yeah it's not a very it's it's a very long beach but it's not very wide it's 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 kind of more like um like a like an embankment almost yeah it's very flat yeah, and yeah, he tries to so. run away, and uh, guys in these goofy little vehicles that are just like the taxi that we saw earlier, but uh, without like without a roof. Yeah, uh, yeah. They try to to catch him. He beats them up. He tries to like a uh, uh, GTA the taxi to freedom. Yeah, yeah. And immediately gets caught by Rover, which just chokes him. Yeah, yeah, and it sort of like smothers him, and he's left unconscious on the on the floor of the beach. Yeah, and uh, when he comes to, he gets like uh, taken away by an ambulance, which was just waiting for him to get got. Uh, yeah, very casual. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, waking up in the uh, the the hospital sort of area, um, he. Meets this character, uh, uh, who's the name of the like this person who's like knitting by his bedside. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think that lady is named, but yeah, the, the, the other guy who like the lady gets off off screen pretty much immediately, and we see that he's next to Cobb, who got choked by Rover slightly earlier. Yes, it was very uh very interesting to see him show up and. There's this like um look of recognition on um on Patrick's face and he's like he walks over to him and he's and he calls him by his name, Cobb. And um it's interesting. Um there's something that happens with, with Cobb later and Cobb is like referred to later on by another character and um it kind of it, it, there's a very interesting sort of like um like characterization thing that happens later on, but he basically interrogates Cobb, asks him how long he's been there, and Cobb says, you know, he's he's very much still like kind of incapacitated. He's like weeks, months. It's hard to tell. I need to go back to sleep. And you know, he asks him how did he get here. Cobb says, I was in Germany. I um, went to my hotel. I went to bed, and I woke up here. And, yeah, um, so I assume that like Germany specifically, because uh, the, the the like east-west divide uh, in Germany meant that it was the breeding ground for spies. Yeah, uh, there's like uh, there's just like Germany and uh, Austria, uh, which were like up to the gills with spies. Yeah, um, and uh, I guess that means that his. Like, uh, his own people were spying on him while he was spying on others. And they saw something suspicious and they got him. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, doctor arrives and, uh, takes him through the hospital and the hospital is spooky. Very uh, spooky. There's, uh, 
there's a room in the hospital uh, that is like purple lighting and people in headphones leaning on walls, like sitting on the floor. Uh, group therapy. It's yeah. It's called. Yeah. This uh, series does not think highly of psychiatric care. Uh, which, uh, honestly, in the 60s, kind of true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it would uh, be that's... it would be it would be a long time before the um, the revelations about MK Ultra would be revealed, and um... it it would be like seven years before MK Ultra. But they they got like uh, uh, they got the, the 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 scoop right here. They have like a person who's lobotomized. I think the implication is like walking yeah. the halls. Yeah. Yeah. And after a medical checkup uh, by a doctor who, of course, knows his size, uh, like uh, of a wheelchair, I think something that there's like oh, his an clothes, chair. his clothes, which he which he had oh, replaced. Oh yeah, clothes. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 clothes get replaced. There's no more trace of his old life. Uh, he gets like a new pair of clothes, new credit card, etc., and he is discharged from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the friendly people give him a ride back to his home. Uh, Actually, wait, no, is, is, no, no, no. Uh, they're, they're they're being they're he's being sent home, but on the way back, he um and it, uh, he activates the handbrake of the the taxi and yeah. okay, roll roll back. I'm so sorry. Uh, there's also while he is getting discharged, there's like an alarm, and they say that uh, Cobb just. Like, uh, mm, yes, jumped out of a window and died. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so, like, uh, his new clothes have a little pin on them saying six, which yeah. he promptly removes. Yeah, yeah, and um, so, yes, on the way, on the way home, he uh, activates his handbrake, uh, activates the handbrake of a car that is uh, driving him home, and uh, uh, like runs to number two's place, mm-hmm. where another guy, not the previous Willy Wonka number two, greets him. But a new number two, yeah. It's a new number two, yes. Uh, and basically reiterates the pitch. It is super weird that you, described as loyal in your case file, resigned, and our guy. Uh, says, well, I mean, I, I resigned not because I changed loyalties. I never changed loyalties. Yeah. Okay, good for you. But also, we are still spooked out. We, we don't believe you are to word. And we still need information. Uh, oh, yeah. and by the way, uh, like, by by buying number six. Who's number six? You're number six. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, For if official we ever pro- edit this out... Uh, if we ever added this episode more than like a uh, surface level, uh, we multiple times slipped and said number six before this before this moment. Yeah, because that is how is referred the the rest of the series. Number six, number two, and number six is relationship. Number six, number six, blah, blah, blah. number six. Good day, number six. You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. Uh, so he's uh, uh, the new number two says, um, for official purposes, everybody has a number. You are number six, and um, 
uh, number six uh, says, I am not a number. I am a person. Uh, and uh, I was very close to pitching I am not a number. I am a podcast as the name of the show. <laughs> Why didn't you? You know, it's just a little bit too wordy. You know, I. I oh, yeah. It's just a little bit too. Um, yeah. It's just a little bit too uh, of a mouth, too bit of a mouthful, and referring to uh, yourself, uh, like like a, a podcast title with like I am or or whatever is kind of weird. Um, uh, yeah. Also, I, I did get, we did, I get that? Yeah. Did we say that uh, when he confronts the new number two, he says, "Get me number one," and number two says, um, "For all intents and purposes, I am in charge." We did not say that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, also, like uh, the, the 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 response of number two to like uh, I am not a number, I am a person is six or one half dozen of the other. Yeah, they, which which I don't understand. I don't understand that well, that that phrase. You you don't really? No. Uh, well, the phrase itself is six or one half dozen of the other means they are the same thing, right? Six and half dozen are the same number. Right. Uh, they're just like different ways to refer to the same thing. And as far as uh, the village is concerned, this is uh, like uh, this is the way they view individuality. Individuality is just what you have until we break you and we don't give a shit about you. You yeah. are not, you say that you're not a number, but you are. We see you as a number and we will continue seeing you as a number. Yeah, and um, the old number two, this is kind of something that I picked up on um, later, or, 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 or as I was watching the episode for a second time, is that the old number two and this number two, the new one, they both use this very interesting turn of phrase. Um, so the old number one says, one must be sure of these things. One, must, one, 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 one uh, cannot be too careful. And then new number two says six to it's six to one, half a dozen to the other. So there is an emphasis on somebody called number one or one, but they're not actually explicitly referred to until uh, Cobb dies, which I think is interesting is, um, oh, no, no, I'm actually going to expound on that later. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, continue. Uh, yeah, uh, as uh, like uh, uh, we pan out to a funeral march of yeah. presumably Cobb, uh, yeah. and uh, number six, hooray, we can say number six, yeah, uh, sees a crying lady who is just watching the funeral march go by. Yeah, uh, her number is nine. Mm. Um, nice, I don't think anyone calls her that. <laughs> Right, right. What, yeah. you, you ship, you ship number six and number nine. I mean, I mean, <laughs> Helga. I, 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 I mean, I'm gonna answer that question by quoting the show. A still tongue makes a happy life. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he walks up to her and says uh, and asks if um, Cobb was a friend of hers. And uh, and he asks her, you know, did you know him? And you know, she she at first she kind of denies it. She says no, and then he's like, "But you're crying. You're a, you're a woman. Obviously, that means that you must have known him." 
and she says something very funny, which is funerals make me emotional. Um, and he says, even people you don't know, she says, yes. And he says, I knew Cobb too. And so she like kind of reacts to the name and then kind of like tries to get away. Um, and then he's very rough with women. Yeah. He, he chases after her. He's like, you know, like he, he, at the same time, he's like, I can help you. I knew him. Like, did you know each other? Like, what was, like, you know, he was a good man, blah, blah, blah. But he also asks her questions like, can I trust you? And, um, you know. She like, just she, responds in kind, can can she trust him? Uh, y- yeah. She gives him, like, uh, instead of, like, answering all his questions right then and there, uh, she gives him a date and time to meet her, yeah. uh, which is uh, uh, at a brass band concert where they where they sit, like, ridiculously close to each other on like lawn chairs oh yeah uh 69 shaping moments uh <laughs> yeah yeah and uh she, she tells him that like uh in in the brass band concert that uh she only learned like uh only new cob in the village mm-hmm. uh, she, and uh, they were trying to uh they were trying to escape yeah. And they got Cobb before he managed. Yeah. Uh, they had uh they had a plan and the the like uh, the guards came just before uh before Cobb expected. Yeah, yeah. Um and then after she talks about like like how she knows Cobb, is that when she pitches uh is that when she asks number six if he can fly a helicopter? Yes, uh, the plan is to to fly out in in the helicopter, which we've seen already, right? We've been on the tour. Yep. And the helicopter is guarded by something called, uh, fuck, what is it called? Some some something like a pass pass lock or something Elec- like that. Elec- like a futuristic. She calls it an she calls it an electro pass. That's what he'll need in order to get past the security system. An electro pass, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, which she has in a secure location, and she's going to give it to him, uh, like b- before he flies out. Uh, yeah. we cut to uh, number six playing chess with the admiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing. He's doing a really shitty job. He is very distracted. Yeah, um, he like uh, misses the fact that he's get he's getting checkmated. Yeah, uh, because he's watching the helicopter, like very, very conspicuously watching the helicopter, and also watching uh, uh, number nine. Uh, yeah, uh, walking past, and uh, he like uh, gets uh, secluded with number nine in in the uh, grounded ship. Yeah, uh, where she gives him uh, the electro pass. A very yeah. funny phrase for a watch. It, it is yeah. just a watch. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like it's not like a wristband that kind of looks futuristic. It is a bog standard classic, like like gold wristwatch made of metal, and it's it's so funny. It, it's 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 really funny that that's what that's what it takes. Really, would they like re- to get like a close up on on this watch, right? And this 
we actually see the manufacturer of this watch, which is a real British like watch company. <laughs> incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, so he retrieves the electro uh, the electro pass. Um he now finally has um the 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 government he now has the the right to get electrolysis treatment and uh <laughs> he heads over to the to the helicopter uh sneaks in and he you know manages to get it all started up you know it's a very you know kind of like action man like James Bond moment um yes uh, when he like uh, gets uh, when he like uh, sneaks to the helicopter uh, Rover is just there, right on the on the landing pad. Oh yeah, and Rover yeah. like politely, politely like uh, steps out, mm-hmm. which I like. I think we're meant to infer that this is the result of the electro pass. Yeah, uh, and so he starts the helicopter. Uh, the helicopter like um, uh, flies out with no problems, uh, and number nine watches it mm-hmm. uh, fly out and. Just as like uh, our guy thinks that he is successfully escaping, uh, we cut to the a new number two watching him in uh, in the observatory. And yeah, the same one that we saw when um, no, when number six was on the beach and trying to make his escape the first time. Yeah, the same one from the beach. The same from one from him smashing the radio, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. The and so like and then the helicopter just like yanks its own stick backwards and the helicopter like does a uh like very rough uh turn 180 turn uh it does not respond to number six's commands it just like lands getting piloted from the observatory uh lands uh back on the landing pad uh we like uh the we see in the observatory yeah. uh Cobb who is alive and well yeah and yeah. saying that like oh well you know the, this this was a good demonstration that there's no loopholes i'm going to return back to, yeah. to my own post yeah very very interesting um yeah, he and, says. Uh, he said. He also says to uh, number two, "Don't be too hard on the girl. She was most charming." Yes, uh, we had a little scene beforehand with the girl actually visiting number two's place, and like uh, she is supposed to be watching uh, number six. It's mm-hmm. just that she like she explains it to number six uh, that like she's actually like she's a d- d- double agent. She's like pretending to spy on him, but actually she's like uh, uh, has sympathies on Number Six's side. But of course she doesn't. The girl did yeah. her job perfectly, and yeah. they let him keep the watch just to remind him that he can't escape. And when he gets out of the helicopter, uh, Rover just like uh, goes after him in a walking pace. Yeah, sort of like a prison guard. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very, very polite of Rover not to choke him. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. And credits. Uh yeah. Um quickly quickly before we move on past the episode, there's something very interesting that happens when Cobb um dies. 
uh, quote unquote. So uh, number six is approached by the doctor who says, um, who tells him Cobb has died. And what I thought immediately uh, at that point uh, upon my second watching was that that was a fuck up, that that was a mistake because on mm-hmm. the actor who of who was playing the the doctor's part because why would a doctor know the name of the person who died when that oh, person have a yes. number and so my thinking is is that like it's not actually a mistake because it's in the script of the show it's in the script of of the episode so what ends up happening is um number 6 is so um sort of like discombobulated and confused and overwhelmed by his circumstance that he can't even clock the fact that Cobb was a known entity to um, the doctor and ultimately, um, you know, that that maybe that would have indicated at some point maybe that Cobb was, uh, there was more to Cobb's story than he let on. Yeah, I... Like the the moment when he like uh, he's pronounced dead, right? To to number six, right? Uh, is like I I don't understand how number six doesn't clock it, yeah. right? Immediately that something fishy has gone on. Like initially when I watched the episode, I thought that he just like uh, it's it's not that he like uh, is a spy. Cobb is a spy. It's that he got defenestrated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like he doesn't, number six doesn't even ask to to see his body or anything. Uh, it's just, um, yeah, he's he's a very dumb spy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very kind of um, mysterious thing that like, you know, like we've had you know however many like decades uh, of like espionage or spy based media to go to go back on especially like movies or television shows and it's interesting to see like what what we now sort of expect of our um spies and our agents and our um you know like the men in the trench coats and stuff like you know i have a i have a quite a fondness for spy media even though it's like all deeply political like uh, it's like 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 very problematic um like it's kind of like propaganda but like for the other side of the the sort of like the the public disclosure wall but at the same time i think it's it's interesting because it's it's fun to see people like sneak around and try and like avoid getting caught and trying to outmaneuver each other and that's a a fun thing to witness and now you know like with like a modern like spy and espionage like media going back on something like the prisoner is interesting because we have we have this idea of how spies and how um agents are supposed to act and then we see somebody like number six act the way that he does and we're like oh well Obviously, he's never going to escape. You know, surely somebody this brash and uh, and and uninterested in being um, being like competent is never going to escape his circumstance. Which you know, only time will tell, I guess. Yes, only time and the number of episodes will tell. <laughs> That's uh, right. That's right. There's 
uh, I think that he is like um, his place of an uh, his place of employment is kind of important in the series, right? But mm-hmm. also, I would say that it's uh, not very important because like he is supposed to represent rather than like anything politically concrete he's supposed to represent rebellion against the system that doesn't want him to escape its clutches uh he is in the family he could have just been in a mafia family right uh yeah except mafia does not have italianate islands or something they just put you in concrete shoes and dump you in the river yeah 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 for sure uh, and on this show, we have a little segment that is about how to improve the village from our points of view. Yeah. Uh, my idea for village improvement for this, for this week is uh, that this village obviously should have its own little like small town internet which is just next door people are posting <laughs> about like um oh i saw a suspicious neighbor on uh, like big person on the street but like okay but everyone is a suspicious person on the street there's <laughs> no unsuspicious right. people that's an amazing you, idea Joe? i love that idea a lot and uh you know trying to think about you know like what um what this kind of like society needs the what the village needs i think it's complicated because i'm not really like a much of like a like a like an urban or or city planner kind of person but um i'm tickled and disturbed by the lack of a public library at in at, in the village i think that that would be a great way for people to um you know, like past the time, you know, you know, there's not really like television yet. And, you know, developing television media would probably be a little bit of, a little risky. But I think that a library would be great. I think that maybe in order to discourage any kind of like, um, you know, like subversive materials being included, uh, I think that uh, the library system should have like a a checkout system that logs everybody's like reading and if you check out something like the communist manifesto or uh or uh the conquest of bread then maybe you just get you know maybe you get maybe you get relegated to some of the harder jobs so that you are kept in line good idea joe we will see if the show implements it next week yeah uh i'm i'm very excited yes and until next time, our listeners, be seeing you. Be seeing you. This podcast is brought to you by Noisepace.xyz, who have great shows such as Digimon Ghost Gaze, Walco Robot, Prime Cuts, and Dr. Huh? You can find Helga, that's me, at Hindsight D. It's not like Jamboree, but for Hindsight, on Colors. You can find Joe at Bedroom-Punk on Colors. We'll see you next time with Season 1, Episode 2, Dance of the Dead.